They actually don't want you to fix the problem. No. Because then there's nothing more terrifying than realizing that your reality is wrong. Mm-hmm. Even if your reality that you've created is already scary. Yeah. So if someone it's lives- It's yours. Yeah, if someone you lives- You have control in, in there. Hi everyone, I'm Sid Sharice. And I'm David Bosher. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Where we teach you to salon differently. I just got a new customized booking website. That's genius. Yeah, Gloss Genius. Gloss Genius has one of the lowest processing fees in the industry at 2.6% with no hidden fees and free same-day deposits. DTH listeners get their first month free on us as well as your very own stunning credit card reader, an $80 value. To sign up, visit dth.glossgenius.com. Sid, do you want to introduce our listeners to one of our favorite podcast sponsors? Absolutely. This episode is sponsored by Karg Shears, a reputable brand born in Switzerland created by Mike Karg. Why do we love Karg Shears so much? Karg Shears are made with the highest end and most durable Japanese steel that work for dry and wet cutting. We decided to team up with Karg because of their unique approach to handcrafted shears, customer service, and a simple love for the hairdresser. Tap the link in the episode description to receive a special DTH promotion for your new shears. You are going to love them. Poverty consciousness. Poverty consciousness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to read, like, the what is, because I think people struggle with what the hell it is. We're going to talk about poverty consciousness. And I know you're serious about it because you got your notes out. I have my notes out. I'm ready. If you're in our community, you see me with my notes because this is a big one. Uh, We actually talked about this multiple times in Clubhouse. We've talked about it in some forms, minimally, in podcast episodes. We have a class on our student dashboard. Have to take a deep breath because it's that important. (laughs) And we've drank a lot of coffee. Exactly. So, you know... Poverty consciousness is something that we all deal with, and it stems from how we grew up believing about our belief systems around money. But for those of you that don't know what poverty consciousness is, and we're going to help you transform that today, poverty consciousness is the belief that there isn't enough of anything to go around. Not enough money, not enough time, not enough planning, leaders, clean air, rest, love, just about anything that you want or think you and others need or that is important to you, poverty consciousness means there isn't enough. I don't know if there is enough clean air to go around. <laughs> there point. might be a little bit <laughs> lacking of clean air. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think when I think of poverty consciousness, a lot of times we call it, we can call it jealousy, we can call it envy, we can call it food, we can call it a lot of other things, but it's coming from this idea that there's not enough of something or that I'm lacking something. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing about feeling lack is that we naturally fill it, but we we rarely fill it with the thing that we need. Yeah. So we lack money, so we go fill it with actually spending money. Mm-hmm. Or we lack love, so we go fill it with artificial love, mm-hmm. right? Or we attention. L- there's many things that we lack, and and then what we go to fill it with is just these quick fix versions. False desire. Yeah, false false desires that kind of don't leave us with anything. And I think that for a lot of people, lack is the most comfortable space. Oh yeah, that lack is actually the one way to completely um, shrink your business. Right. By focusing on what you don't have versus, and the one way to transform it is obviously switching to appreciation. Right. And really looking at what you do have. And I love that you brought up like, the things we do to fill a void, but they're not actually proactive. 
in in helping to transform this consciousness. And we do it like online shopping, right? Like right. the addiction to like searching for the thing and spending the money and like I'm just going to do it and hitting the button. It is addicting. And then you wait and wait and wait and then you get the thing. And then as soon as you get the thing, maybe there's excitement on opening the thing. And then after that, it's over. It's not long And you're term. like, yeah, it's short bursts of fulfillment. They're, they're not long term. They're just enough. It's like doing a drug. Right. I think people think poverty consciousness has to do with feeling poor mm -hmm. or the word poverty. Poverty meaning there's not enough. Mm -hmm. That there's a lack. And I, and I want to repeat that because I think it's not about just financial yeah. loss. It's about everything. There's not a, or my favorite, a huge uh, poverty consciousness statement that people make in salons is there's not enough hairdressers. Oh yeah, or there's nobody, not enough clients. There's not enough, you know, there's, you know, there's not enough people that want to work behind the chair. There's not enough people that, there's never enough people or there's not enough, um, everybody's going to rental. There's not enough people that want to work commission. And the students that live in that consciousness, because it is a consciousness, it's a it's an actual world that they've made up in their head. Mm -hmm. It's their ver version of reality. And so when you're coaching someone like that, it's not about how can I fix the problem because they actually don't want, they actually don't want you to fix the problem. No. Because then there's nothing more terrifying than realizing that your reality is wrong. Mm -hmm. Even if your reality that you've created is already scary. Yeah. So if someone it's lives... It's yours. Yeah. If someone you lives have in, control in there. Someone lives in poverty and then you're like, this isn't right, this isn't true... They're going to fight you on it because if it isn't right and isn't true, then what have they been doing this whole time? Exactly. And I think that freaks people out. Yeah, because then their egos get bruised and then they, there's self-doubt and then there's guilt and there's these whole list of emotions that people start to go through. I think there's two things. Like you could have two different people in the same business and one person thinks that they have the best job in the world and the other person could think that they have the worst job. And one person is like, look at these great clients I have. And the other person's like, I don't have enough clients. And then, and they have the same amount. Some, and they work next to each other. Yeah. They and live then, in the same world. Yep. They're, but they're in, in the two same different realities. ecosystem. But you know, the one um, staff member is very much like, look at all these opportunities or, oh, thank God I have a break so I can have, you know, lunch or I can do my Instagram. And the other person's like, look how slow I am. Look at the holes in my books. And it truly is the only difference in these two experiences is their mindset about it. Right. And it's not positive thinking. Mm -mm. I want to be very clear. We, we're not a... You can still be appreciative of downtime and still wish, there like, was okay, more. I'm going to use this downtime to do things that are going to proactively fill in these gaps. I think people confuse... I think sometimes positive thinking is delusional. Mm -hmm. um, like... I know I have holes in my book, but like I also know the universe will take care of it. Like, mm, mm -hmm. no, you have to. There's a physical action that yeah, goes with. Like you have to do it, mm -hmm. right? And I think the lack part really comes from. I think the biggest thing when there's lack is who's going to do this? Who, I, like I can't figure it out, so who's going to do it? Mm -hmm. But then you go to help that person. We've all had these people in our lives that are suffering. Yeah, we go to help. We've been them. there. We've, We've been yeah. there. You're suffering, you go to, or they're suffering, you go to help them. You have the, you have all the solutions. They don't want any of them. No. And I've been there. I've been in such a dark place. Here are all the solutions. No, no, that will work. Mm -hmm. I've done that. I, oh, I already know that won't work. Yeah. And it's like, but you are already so far into lack that you don't even want. That's the scariest part. Yeah. You don't even want the solution. Mm -hmm. The person who is in that poverty consciousness is kind of enjoying this. They're like. 
I'm slow, I can't build. It's like victim. They don't know what to do when there isn't a problem. Yeah, they live in the victim world. And I've, we've all been there. I've been there in relationships. I've been there. I mean, relationships are always a great metaphor for business because mm-hmm. they're the same. Oh, yeah. It's the same problem. You're, you're married it, to your business. <laughs> it's the same problems. Um, you know, are you looking at your partner and thinking, this person doesn't fulfill me, they don't get me, we can't communicate, or are you actually, like, yeah. coming from a place of, like, these are all the opportunities for us to actually get closer? And I think it's the same with business. There's, We're not growing, you know. My favorite thing is when people aren't growing, and then they go pay tens of thousands of dollars in marketing, but they know it's not going to work, but then they, then they want to blame the marketing. Mm-hmm. It's like, but you knew... Or they're like, we're really slow, and then they look at the numbers, and they're like, oh, we've doubled our income this month. Oh, that's every fucking student we have. Mm -hmm. Every time I have a student, it's like, you know, this month's just been really hectic and really slow, and I don't know what, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And then I'm like, well, let's look at at the Mm -hmm. data. And they're like, oh, we made more than last month. We actually did that, like, a lot in the beginning of building this business. Like, everything was like, oh, my God, like... What the hell? Which is why we can coach from experience because we have been there. And then we started to shift of anytime one of us would say, it's slow, we're not growing, the other person would like slam the numbers yeah. in the other's face and be like, oh. Because it's a consciousness. It has, mm-hmm. It's not rooted in reality. This whole thing about like, we're slow, so we're not making money. And then you look at the numbers and you did make money. And then you have to kind of break apart the fact that those aren't connected. Yeah. And we were raised by, a lot of us were raised by Gen X um, parents or baby boomer parents who their mentality was like, you get a job and you work. Yeah. And like you, that's all that really, like you work and you work and you work. What do you do for a living is a big thing in the United States. What do you do for a living? Where do you Mm -hmm. live? Those are the two. Yeah. That's how we sum up the individual. What's your credit score? (laughs) And then we also um, glamorize like, oh, I work, they work so hard, they work so much. Yeah. And, the funny thing is that I know some people that work really hard and don't make any money. And I know people that don't work really hard at all. They make tons of money. Mm-hmm. So Because working hard is just a physical action. It doesn't mean that you're not doing... I think we need to shift... I think janitors work really hard. Yeah. I don't think they make a lot of money. Mm-mm. Teachers. Work really hard. Don't make a lot of money. EMTs. Work really hard. Don't make a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, it's a consciousness. And understanding that consciousness controls how you make money and how you work and how you view it. It's a really hard shit. I mean, that's, I think this year we're really focusing on, we focus on consciousness our whole, in lives. our whole lives, <laughs> but also like creating Destroy the Hairdresser, the focus was consciousness. Yeah. But I think we're, with 2022, I think it's a time where we can use the word and it's not as scary as it used to be. Yeah, people are accepting. Especially when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, consciousness and business. Yeah, now the, the world's kind of like, oh, okay, like this actually makes a little more sense. But we've been teaching it the whole time. Mm-hmm. We just haven't said it so directly all the time. Yeah. But now I think it's just, we got to be really honest with you. This is the way to change your business is to change the way you think. How you change the way you think changes what your, you know, what you, what your actions are. And changing your actions changes the result. And so when you come into coaching with that poverty consciousness, this isn't working, this isn't working, this isn't working. This is, that's, I mean, why else would you go into coaching? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be ready to, I would say, have your whole world fucked up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. Like, you and I have had a coach, I mean, since we were probably too young to have a life coach. And, (laughs) you know, you wouldn't think to get a coach. I actually had to get emancipated to keep working with my coach. (laughs) 
<laughs> like when you're in your you know teens and twenties, and this is starting where a lot of this thought process starts to happen. It's not that we didn't experience this, but we had someone next to us constantly that was like, okay, well, what are we really focusing on? What's the truth here? And when you have that, it's really great, and that's something that we we share with our students of like, okay, you know, when I have students coming to me with all these like this can't work, da-da-da, and, you know, the first thing I say is, do you believe that to be true? Because if you do... We're done. I can't help you. Yeah. If you truly believe that, then that's your truth. Yeah. I, who am I to It's like trying that? to... It's like when we talk... When you talk about, like, um, conspiracy theories. If yeah. someone believes it... Yeah. Don't even try to... That's their truth. They have <laughs> chosen to believe that that is completely true. And so, from a coach perspective, if someone is truly like that, but it never is, they're like... Well, no, but, and that little bit of doubt to their own truth that they're trying to create is where I can come in and be like, okay, let's, let's break it down in facts. Like, tell me what the actual truth is. Let's, let's really break this down, even if it's It's like my, my one student who uh, can't seem to find anyone to work for them, Mm -hmm. but um, they don't do anything to hire. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, are we doing anything to change the situation now? (laughs) I think a lot of poverty consciousness truly stems from belief systems around money. Oh, yeah. And belief systems are created around environment, family. um, Religion. Religion, yeah. Mentors, schools, education. So, and we never question it. We never question it. Well, it's been decided. Exactly. Would you like to give some examples of belief systems around money? Yeah, I have one. Some of your favorites. Well, I have one student who has her belief system around money is that she'll be the wealthiest person in the world and she's she never has money issues. Which you would think is a great <laughs> it's a really, belief system. It's a great belief system. She never sees things as a problem, which is really good. However, when is enough enough? Mm-hmm. There's a different... Yeah. How far are we going here? You know? And then with others... Are you running yourself into a ground? There's no appreciation. It's just constant. Yeah, it's Sometimes like... Sometimes it's nice it's to like pause and appreciate. But it's like, so what's... I have another student that I work with and... She will say, as soon as I get, as soon as I have 14 million in the bank, then I'll be, I'll be good. Mm-hmm. I'm like, once you hit 14 million, are you going to say, okay, once I hit 20, I'll be good? It's not about not making that money. It's about the consciousness. About the money. It's addicting. It's, yeah. it's, and so it's good to have that drive, but at what cost too? Right. Like, so are you going to do anything to get to that point? Or which you would think we've always been taught, like, what are you going to do to get to it? And it's like. But you're not doing anything consciously. Right. You're going to rip everything apart to get to that and then look back or look down and be like, oh, crap. I created a Look hurricane. down from death? Yeah. <laughs> no, look down from sitting on top of 14 oh. million. <laughs> I'm like, because you're dead now and nah, you wasted your yeah, life. Yeah, you've wasted your whole life. <laughs> Sid, let's talk about the sexiest topic in our industry today. What's that? Business insurance, which is why we have teamed up with Guild, G-I-L-D. Guild Insurance has streamlined the business insurance process. By evaluating multiple trusted insurance providers, they'll find you the partner you deserve in just minutes. We partnered with Guild because they are shaking up the insurance industry as much as we are shaking up the beauty industry. Guild offers business guidance and resources even after you're fully insured. They are making insurance inclusive and personalized. To learn more about Guild and your business insurance options, visit yourguild.com slash DTH. There's other... Uh, belief systems like money is evil. Mm. Money is the root of all evil. This is usually like a really religious standpoint or someone who grew up with family members. Those that, are the ones that like they wouldn't want to raise their prices. Yeah. They're like, it's not about the it's money. It's not about the money. Oh my God. But they're struggling to even put food on their table. I don't do, I don't do this career. It's not about the money for me. Well, then I don't know 
I don't know what your landlord thinks about that, but yeah. it's about the money for a lot of people. Because so, the amount of stress that money, you know, money's not going anywhere. But I think it's not about the money for me. That isn't actually a, this wonderful altruistic belief. I think it's actually, for the most part, coming from a place of like money is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, money grows on trees. Money grows on trees. Or money doesn't grow on trees. Is or the, does. Yeah. But money doesn't grow on trees is one. Um, That's also saying there's, like, not, there's enough. not enough. Uh, all these little things that, like, they're, we know these beliefs because people say them to us all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people that have parents. One parent spent all the money. One parent made all the money. So they kind of have this back and forth issue with, like, yeah. where they, like, they are supposed to be one or the other. My mom was a single mom and also a hairdresser and taught me that if I worked physically very hard. Oh. That, like, I could Hard have work success. pays off. Yeah. Hard work pays off. So I went. I mean, like most of us did, like, and I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard at the beginning of your career to make yourself, but I could have done things a lot differently. I said yes to everything. There was no boundaries. I, I didn't raise my prices. I gave discounts, you know, all the things that were not or, you know, shouldn't do to be successful. And I was exhausted to the point that I had to quit and go into working for corporate product companies because I was so burnt out and there was no other growth option. And so that's the thing. It's like, that kind of belief system created more chaos for me long term. So it's like even positive things like I taught a class once and it was our destroy bad business class. Um and, and I think it was in Austin and there was a back uh, in the day. Back in the day. There was someone that came and we were talking about these money belief systems and he was very proud of this, which should be. It sounds like it was a great environment was I there? to grow up. No, it was oh. you were teaching another class somewhere else. And um he said that his parents taught him that you don't need money to have fun. So they wouldn't spend, his parents wouldn't spend money. And I don't remember, um, I don't think it was because they didn't have money. I think they were very good at saving their money and they didn't value spending money on fun. So they would find ways to have fun as a family, like camping or backyard stuff, which sounds like and he was like, it was a credible childhood. And I said, that sounds great. And he really thought he was stumping me with this, that there was no <laughs> toxic money belief system in this really positive thing. And I asked him what he does with his family. And he's like, well, because of that, with my family, I don't spend any money on fun. And I'm and I'm like, well, you work all the time and you have a lot of money. And he's like, yes. And I was like, so the negative of that is that you work hard and then you, you are not maybe investing money into things like that and opportunities for your family. Right. So, Which is good to do sometimes. Like, right. You know, he's like, yeah, I've said no on going on vacations because it costs too much. But I'm like, could you have afforded it? Yes. Did your family want to go? Did you want to go? Yes. But that belief system was holding him back. Right. There's, it's interesting, too, like what we, what we fall into. There's the hard work was something I was raised on. Like, mm-hmm. if you work hard, you'll be successful, which... Not true at all. You'll be exhausted. <laughs> um, I do think people can be successful working hard, but I also think people can be successful and they don't work hard. Mm-hmm. And working hard, I think, has been physically. This is a physical yeah, exertion. Because I think it. people think, oh, you don't, you're lazy. Yeah. No, no, I'm proactive. Yeah. There's a difference. I use my time proactively to create profit. And there's a there's a quote I cannot think of who it's by. Um, a gentleman, uh, I believe, from Africa said. If working hard meant you would make money or that mm-hmm. you'd be well off financially, then all the women in Africa would be billionaires. Mm-hmm. 
because they're the hardest workers mm-hmm. of anyone there. And it's such a truth, like, it's such an American thought that if I, and it's, and it's founded in how we are as Americans. Like, if I work hard, this is a place where you can work hard and be anything. That, uh, <laughs> like, I don't think that's really true. I, mm-hmm. think, I think there's more opportunities here. I don't think that just because you worked hard means that it's going to all pay off for you. Yeah. Uh, if you work smart, I think that's the it difference. Will. Um, and sometimes working smart is doing physically taxing things, or, or not taxing, but like uh, yeah, putting in physical effort. I will say my my dad has no idea what, what I do. Yeah, <laughs> he knows that like we I talk for a living. He knows that I do well, and he knows I'm in the beauty industry, and he knows that I do hair because that's how I got started. Mm-hmm. But he's like not quite sure how we make money as a company. It's okay. <laughs> because he's like, you're always like traveling and you're able to come see us. And you're, I'm like, yeah, because mm-hmm. I work smart. I don't need to work hard. Yeah. Like t- today, we're in the studio all day. It's a hard day. Yeah. But that doesn't mean tomorrow has to be this heavy. Exactly. And I when think when you're living every day like that, where every day is physically exhausting, you have to ask yourself eventually, what am I getting out of this? Right. Is this reality that I'm telling myself is that success is this? If you could do one t- client a day, and make $1,000. I've actually seen people um, mess things up in their business on purpose just to stay oh, yeah. busy. I had uh, recently one of my students open their salon. And we had, a, we had a hard conversation because everything's going really well. Oh, that's, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> everything's it's going really one. well. And they're profiting. And they have an incredible team. What are they supposed to do? And and she she was like I don't know uh, she was like I feel like um, I feel like things aren't going well, and I was like Is it that things aren't going well, or that you don't know what to do with this newfound freedom? Right. And even our one of our coaches, Coach Kate, we actually can say our coaches' names, but she experienced this. She's like I'm freaking bored, and right. I'm so successful. And so then she had to shift her energy and. You know, she created a nonprofit or giving back to her community so that she was using her energy instead of just being busy with nonsense like micromanaging and looking at things and making up all these tasks that really don't matter. How could she use her time, her effort, her energy, or her brain to creating fulfillment not only for herself but for the community? Yeah, I I can definitely say as a society we're addicted to work. Mm -hmm. We all fall under the belief that I have to work hard and and then we uh, the other thing that we do is because I believe that I have to work hard then I get mad if my staff is not oh yeah that's a big one resentment yeah these kids get out of school and they just want to work two days a week and they don't get it and I'm like no they get it yeah well they actually really get it where I I (laughs) we've talked about in in earlier podcasts about generational shifts and how how to work together and a lot of times and there's nothing wrong with our boomers so love you Love the boomers. But they were raised in, with belief systems of you have to work hard to be successful. So when it is not busy, I have to challenge them with slowness does not mean failure because they'll look And busy ar- doesn't mean mm-hmm. success. Exactly. And they'll be looking around the salon and they're like, it's quiet. And I go, we are literally in a pandemic. <laughs> um, and it's not quiet because of the pandemic. But I said how thankful that it's, it, how we need to be thankful that your whole staff has raised their price, raises their prices. They're not double booking. They're giving their sole time. There's less people coming into your business, but still more profit because right. the prices are higher. They're working better. Your staff isn't exhausted. They get to take off. They make their own schedules. I think there's a level and of... That was a hard shift. 
because a lot of older generations do come from an industrial revolution of you clock in and you work and you work and you work and you work and you clock out. Mm-hmm. Um, coming into this technology revolution, which honestly is, it's a lot mm-hmm. for everyone. It's trying to merge the, t- like it's not about this clock in and make the time. It's like the, the students, the younger generation Z and even younger, when they're coming out of school, they're like, I'm not going to work, you know, five days a week. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to work four days a week. I'm going to work three days a week and get and make the money that I need to make. And then I'm going to go enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're lucky because of technology we can do that now. I just think that it's it's frowned upon because people look at it as irresponsible lazy. or lazy. Again, going back to my dad, who's like the perfect archetype of a, of a boomer. He thinks it's crazy that we take taxis when we have the subway. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that like sometimes we need to take a car or sometimes I just don't want to be on a train full of people during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like his in his world, why would you not save ten dollars mm-hmm. or twenty dollars? And what like taxis are still cheaper than Ubers, <laughs> right? But why you know in his world you could have saved that. Yeah. But in my world, I now get to yeah I spent twenty extra dollars, and now I get to be home sooner. I get to live my life. I, I get, I was comfortable. I'm not stressed out from the train or what. Like wh- the, the values are just different. Mm-hmm. Like I value being alone in the car and, and quiet and not being underground. Well, that's what people spend their money on is value. Yeah. What I find valuable mm-hmm. and each generation finds like someone different things valuable. might not be in a place where they have money to spend on cabs or coffee, but mm-hmm. they might choose one or the other, right? Like, right. okay, I'm going to choose the comfort oh, well, of being in a car by myself versus going to Starbucks. According to Susie Orman, if we just stop drinking, if we just stop buying Starbucks, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd, all, we'd be millionaires by now. <laughs> we'd all be rolling in the dough. But sometimes it's nice to spend the money that you work for yeah. and earn. But there's always an ebb and flow of energy with how you're using things. Are you I doing have. it reactively? Is it an addiction? Is it going to put you in a bad position? So that's where we have... I also think sometimes people think saving is the only form of growth. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's also the going, money is just making more there. money, right? Like, yeah. savings is good, but any person who has, any millionaire will tell you, they didn't make money from saving it. Mm-mm. They made money from investing it. They made money from doing, they made, they took that money and they made more money with it. Yeah. And so it's really trying to find this balance of what do you save and what do you, it's this back and forth. But I think, you know, former generations were very much like, you save the money. You hoard it. And, you, and then you spend it on emergency, and then you have nothing. Right. Well, Versus if you were <laughs> investing. It. Yeah. It, it's like if you were investing, um, then that money that you're it's a bigger saving risk. is growing. It's a bigger risk. But no wealthy person is going to say, yeah, I didn't take any risks in life, and I saved all my money, and I, did every, and I worked for the same job for 40 years, and now I have millions of dollars. It just doesn't. It's also a risk to assume that you're going to have your job forever. You're not. <laughs> you're not. It's and also like, a risk to assume, like, you know, we got sideswiped with the pandemic. No one saw that one coming. <laughs> like, you know, we, we have to think. That's what we always tell people. Find different avenues of revenue. You can Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You can have one major source, but then have a mini source over here. And even if you're not using that, you know, could you, I have a lot of people that use their money from their affiliate links just to pay their rent 
Right. So it's like that's reinvesting that money into something else. You know, like how can you, another person will, like I do online education, I use that, it just sits in my savings account and then I use that to build another space or, you know, that's how we have to start thinking differently. But the one thing that's going to get in the way is sitting in that, that space of lack of mm-hmm. there isn't enough. That can't change. There's enough. It's about can you carve out a space for yourself to get it? Are you comfortable receiving it? That's a whole other issue. Some people are just really uncomfortable yeah. with receiving. That's why it's hard to raise your prices or to charge more money because it's like I'm uncomfortable with and you that could have stemmed from childhood trauma of receiving after your worked, parents fought. I used to work with this one <laughs> dingbat who would just charge the person whatever he needed to pay for his rent. Yeah, he'd be and like, no one oh, would it's, bat nice. Uh, six seventy five today. I'm like, what was it last time for her? He's like, oh, I don't know, like four hundred something. Like <laughs> it was like, and he. But from, rent was due the next day. Yeah, he so was short. His mentality. He's a New Yorker. His mentality is, you just you get it where you can get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how he was raised. And yeah, that drove me insane. But everyone has those beliefs that just influence what we do on a daily basis. I, I wonder what everyone's thinking right now, listening to this episode. Like, yeah, what they're. Because they're, re- they're reacting to what we're saying. Absolutely. I want people to message us. I love when people, like, repost the podcast and tell us what they got out of it or what how it helped them. I know we've gotten so much feedback of people being like, I didn't have the finances to sign up for coaching, but I invested my time into listening to all the free things that you offer, like Clubhouse and podcasts and some of our, our brunches. And they were able to implement a lot of our coaching into their business just based off that. And that right there, even time is currency. Yeah, time's the biggest current. You can't renew it. Mm-hmm. Money you can renew. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a very yeah. Thank you for listening. Your time investment is huge. Mm-hmm. But I think working one on one with someone really helps you grasp it. Yeah. I love when we get the messages from listeners and followers that say, uh, "I hated what you said here, but then I kept listening, and mm-hmm. I now I get it." Like I like yeah. the whole disruptive journey of yeah, each episode. I hear things all the time that I'm like, you know what? That is crap. So, and then I keep thinking about it and I'm like, oh, let me listen to that again. That was so what I needed, right? And it's okay. That's that's a reactive response to it. And you get to choose your reality of how you're going to deal with it. Are you going to stay in a place of lack and be like, nope, this is BS because I don't want to deal with it? Or are you going to be like, I appreciate this information and I'm going to use it as I will. And that is how to transform poverty. And that is how the cookie crumbles. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Also, we should ask ourselves, why is the government during a financial aid opportunity paying more than they can make behind the chair? Like, what's the Yeah, where's the real problem here? Are we not allowing them to raise their prices? Yeah, if the government can pay you more than what you make. With unemployment. The problem is that you don't. The industry is not paying properly. Mm-hmm.